you know, I've seen people be able to move in ways that they're moving at, you know, in their fifties and sixties that would make their, you know, 30 year old self like ashamed, you know, like it's, it's amazing because it's movement capability does not have to be, um, this degenerative process. Like we sometimes think of it as. This is Epic Ordinary Lives Podcast. Welcome to episode 10 of Epic Ordinary Lives, the podcast that is really about learning. It's about learning from the people that have already walked their own version of a hero's journey or are currently walking on that path so that we can take those lessons and take somebody that could be extremely different than us, who has lived a a life that looks nothing like ours and yet distill some of the lessons from that life that we could bring to our own lives, and thus enrich them. Episode 10 is kind of an interesting thing for me, because I originally when I had set out to start this project, I knew that it would take a lot of work and learning skills that I did not know. And so originally I had intended to only do 10 episodes and then reevaluate and see what what it felt like. Would I like to continue or would I like to just make it a one and done 10 episode series? And I can tell you right now that it is a lot of work. There are many things that I had no idea how to do that I still need to get better at that nevertheless have gotten, I've gotten good at enough to get a podcast done, and I'm going to continue. So we will move past episode 10, but it's funny to look back and go, this could have been the last episode. This week features part two of my wide-ranging and highly philosophical conversation with Seth Budai. In part one, we really dove into Seth's background and his origin story of the many myriad of things he's interested in in his life. And in part two here, we dive more heavily into his main focus, which right now is the practice of MoveNet. His bio says, Seth Budai is both a student and teacher of human fitness and movement ecology, a level two MoveNet certified trainer a black belt in Kung Fu, and an avid practitioner of the Wim Hof Method. He leads movement-focused workshops in Knoxville, Tennessee, and occupies the personal training, group training, and online training spaces. When Seth is not in the gym, he spends his time cold plunging, barefoot hiking, and occasionally swinging from trees in the Smoky Mountains with his beautiful wife and their Siberian Husky. Seth's calling in life is to better understand how the body and mind work synergistically to create inner harmony and produce optimal health. If you haven't heard part one, I would recommend starting there because part two picks up right where we left off, diving into really the benefits of MoveNat, what MoveNat really is, And we also go heavily into how MoveNat can help anyone, because I think it's really important with any fitness paradigm, with anything that has to do with human beings moving, to look at how can it help people that have injuries or are older or have no cartilage left in their knee or whatever the case is. And we go heavily into that, how this can help anyone. If you want to support this project, something you can do is head to epicordinarylives.com and you can click the Amazon banner that's at the top of the screen. If you buy things on Amazon and you use my banner 
it will cost you nothing extra, but I will get a small percentage back from whatever you buy. So if you want to help support this work, that is a great way to do it. If you have suggestions for future guests or you would like to be on this podcast, you can email me at Aaron at EpicOrdinaryLives.com. That is A-A-R-O-N at EpicOrdinaryLives.com. One of the things we discuss with Seth in this podcast is his upcoming MoveNet Elements Workshop, which will be held in Knoxville, Tennessee at Iron Tribe Fitness, which is his gym. And that will la- that will go from 10 to 4 p.m., and you can find the link to that by going to epicordinarylives.com. Or if you would like to reach out to Seth specifically, you can email him at sbudai, that is B-U-D-A-I, 88 at gmail.com. That's sbudai88 at gmail.com. Or you can find him on Instagram at bear. B-A-R-E underscore L-Y human. So again, that is barely human, B-A-R-E underscore L-Y human. And he shows a lot of his techniques and MoveNat practices on that channel. So without further ado, please enjoy part two with Seth Budai here on Epic Ordinary Lives. Uh, let's talk more specifically about, I mean, now I want to hear about your full contact fights in Texas, but in the context of where we are, and this will be a two-parter, by the way, we have just crossed into the hour threshold. (laughs) Nice. But how did you get from, so we're following your journey. You, you find the teacher and you, you learn to be strong so that you can be open so that you can be vulnerable and it changes your life. How did we get from there to MoveNat? You're wearing a MoveNat t-shirt in front of me right now. Take us to that origin. You know, it's it's always funny because I feel like I speak in anecdotes a lot of times. <laughs> like it's kind of hard for me to like just put things in like simple terms because I'm always like thinking through like five or ten different like avenues that something could go. <laughs> so I uh, apologize if it's kind of disconnected. But... Uh, you're not alone. I'll yeah. just say that for the person that is interviewing you right now. So. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, as far as how I got involved or how I really got attracted to MoveNet was I was in, I was practicing Kung Fu at the time. So uh, the Kung Fu I practiced was uh, kind of a a mixture of a couple of different styles. So I did Wing Chun for for a a while. I also competed in Sancho, which is Chinese kickboxing. I really love that community. Um, I still am connected to those guys, although I'm not practicing a ton anymore. I still practice some with my instructor, but I'm just not as connected as I was at one time. So I I got strong, I guess you could say, or I got mentally strong and physically able to defend myself and able to fight and able to really navigate my own spatial awareness and all that kind of stuff through that. And then probably so kind of fast forward quite a few years and you have me getting into I went from kind of the fight world of, okay, we're going to, we're going to help prepare you for either a full contact fight or even like martial arts demonstrations or, or different things like that into kind of this idea of like, I really enjoy the, what I thought was the fitness aspect, which I'll talk about what I actually think it is now, but kind of looking at the conditioning side of like, I really enjoy getting these people in shape to like train this way. And I, I was teaching a children's martial arts class at the time too. And so I really loved getting to train those kids and like, and a lot of that training was conditioning. Cause that's kind of like how you get the mode of structure is through the conditioning aspect. So like you might work a technique and then you might do some exercises, right? So it's kind of a way of being able to navigate and teach in a way where people can move and still feel like they're able to not feel like they're just sitting and absorbing information. So I was doing that and I really loved kind of what it did with these kids because it sparked this light in them where it was like they felt more confident. So they acted differently. They talked differently. 
you know, even the, the way that they would like kind of walk into the school was just like, yeah, I'm cool. Like I know Schwa- swag. Was, yeah. Was, some swagger. Quote had, a Justin Bieber yeah. phrase there. So <laughs> that's some swagger for sure. <laughs> and, uh, and so I loved it because it was like, I'm imparting something to them where they're able to tap into something internal. So it was like, yeah, I was giving them something, but really what I was giving them was an ability to tap into something they had inside of themselves. And so that's really what led me into the world of teaching fitness or getting into the world of like personal training. I can do this with other people. And it's really, really like, it's something I love doing. So it's like, I loved being able to see the light bulb click on for somebody when like they couldn't do something before. And then all of a sudden they could kind of, uh, to, to make it like a really hyper example, like imagine that you were blind and then tomorrow you could see, right. It's just like dramatic. It's like, Oh my gosh, there's so many capabilities. There's so many things that I want to go out and see. I want to see the grand Canyon. I want to see the, you know? And so I think that it was kind of the same way with movement where there's so many people that kind of are, wouldn't say disabled, but there are a lot of people that just don't have a lot of ability in a movement world. Most of the world is still very natural, even though we'd kind of like to think it's not. And so being able to see how I would take an individual, I would start to train them and see this change in how they reacted to the world. It was incredible because it was, you know, no longer are they just getting in the elevator and waiting in that awkward silence, as you put it, um, (laughs) they were, you know, taking the stairs, they were feeling more confident, they were moving around, which is going to make their, you know, their brain was working better. So now they're, you know, they're talking to people they've never talked to before, they were opening up their minds to different ways of thinking. You know, I really saw it as a portal into getting more out of life. It's like, man, if I can get people to like, embrace this discomfort, this is like, this is really powerful, you know? And so that kind of led me into the personal training world. And it was still kind of this idea, like there were still a lot of things that I felt were hollow about it. Cause I was still, you know, I was doing training in a, in an environment that was still, you know, like a traditional gym where it's, you know, the environment is a little bit more sterile. You don't have like air moving through the yeah, all- talk about for those that don't know what sterile, what you mean by that. Yeah. So like a sterile environment is a perfect example is a doctor's office. It's <laughs> like something that. You can feel it immediately when you go in there. Uh, Sterile has, I think, a lot of definitions, but as far as what it is to me is when you step into something and you feel this sense of like, everything's been disinfected, everything that was alive is dead, you don't really have a sense of the environment that you're in it's usually a very discomforting feeling, although some people can find comfort in it in, in kind of a weird way. Sterile environments are usually stagnant, I guess is the best term for it, where it's just, there's no moving air. It's usually, like I said, I I think the best description is just like a doctor's office. We all know what a doctor's office feels like. You walk into a doctor's office, most people, even if you are a doctor, I don't know how much you actually love going to a doctor to like get a visit. And I, I think that's an environment that kind of like resonates with how I think of it. You know, people were coming in and not that I'm a doctor or anything like that, but uh, people were coming into this environment and although they were getting like this, this movement and they were getting their bodies moving in a, in a really good way, they still, there was a disconnect where like, I didn't really know how to like connect, like, okay, this is good, but this is only happening 30 minutes out of the day or an hour out of the day. How does this translate to their life? You know, like it was translating, but in just a small way. And I wanted it to impact more. And so I I saw a YouTube video called The Workout the World Forgot. Probably the most iconic MoveNet video that's out there. Um, Almost everybody that came into MoveNet has at least seen it once. Yeah, yeah, pause right now and go check it out if you want to. It's, It's very cool incredible video. It's Erwan LaCour running and, and doing things in nature. And it just looks like a, like a natural animal in their environment. <laughs> and, uh, but it's funny because it's a, you know, it's a human and we just don't connect those terms anymore. So I saw this video and I was like, immediately when I saw it, it was like, this is my soul. Like th- ah. he's, he is connecting exactly back to myself in the, in the, you know, 
in the woods behind my best friend's house. Like that, that Uh, is like, that's like exactly how, and that just resonated with me so much. And I just felt so connected to it that I was like immediately, I mean, I think within a day I had purchased my level one, uh, (laughs) uh, certified trainers, my level one certification, like ticket, you know, to go to it. And, uh, cause I just immediately knew like, this is something I have to check out. I have to know more about this. And uh, so if you haven't watched it, absolutely watch it. That being said, so I went to the level one certification and uh, the guy's name who actually led it was Cameron Prato. And Cameron Prato is a, he's a movement, incredible movement teacher, has done all kinds of things in the movement world, has been very connected to the parkour world. He's a wizard. Um, And yeah, and just incredible mover. I mean, you watch this guy move and it just looks like butter. I mean, it just looks so smooth and you just wonder like, how can someone move that eloquently? And he, with our certification, took us through so many different movements and so many different ways of moving my body that in the fitness world, I'd never been exposed to. It was like we were getting down on the ground and we were rolling and we were crawling and we were, it almost felt like a, you know, some of it felt like a yoga position and then Ah. some of it felt like I'm just like playing like an animal and then some of it felt like I was, but it was all from a methodical approach. So it was like we had all this playing and we had all this ability, but then it was like, okay, the things that you're doing are super inefficient. So how can we, how can we have this play and this like childlike approach to things, but actually be able to zero in and say like, we can keep you protected while you're doing these things and we can make you a better mover, you know, be able to move through your environment better. But also like our environment is a lot more than just, obviously most of us live in a more unnatural environment. And the nice thing is the more you connect to your body and its natural way of moving, the more even in an unnatural environment, you are able to see things and ways of moving that you may have never seen before. A great example is like when, after I got my level one certification, I immediately tried to take everything to heart. So I was playing around on all kinds of things in the gym and at home. And, and I just found that like, yeah, I loved being outside, but it was like one of those things where like everything became a tool to be able to like experience this. So it wasn't like, it wasn't like I just had to go out in the woods to do this. This was like something that was internal. It was, it was not something external. Right. And I think so much of fitness is external where it's like you manipulate this object, you do this, like you have to go to this this. location to often. Absolutely. This is like the matrix. This is like you took the, the the blue pill. Is that the, (laughs) is that the pill? And that's right. Yeah. Suddenly you shout out to the matrix, by the way. (laughs) You, you suddenly see the grid, you see the world as a playground that with new eyes that you had not seen. And I want to say what you were talking about. This is the marriage of control and play in a good way of vulnerability and openness and structure is what you're describing because often in this conversation, we've talked about the negative nature of a sterile controlled conversation environment eating situation. But if you don't have structure, you talked about the, the, what was it? The monkey, the ape that died quicker. Like there is balance to life. There is a rhythm. And here you found it as this marriage of a system that keeps you safe. We're not just immediately jumping from the couch straight into swinging through trees and yet adding that play. What a, what an interesting blend. Yeah, it was, it was mind blowing to me too, because I had always thought of myself as a, as a relatively good mover. Like I I thought, okay, I'm pretty strong. I can do some pull-ups. I can, you know, I, I have uh, I have a okay mobility. Maybe it needs to be a little better in some areas. I just had the lens of kind of looking at it from a fitness perspective where it's very segmented, where you look at your body as like these individual parts. You don't really see it as a whole, right? A system. So, yeah, a system. And so looking at it from the standpoint of, man, every single thing that I'm doing, this instructor is just picking apart. Like I am like the lowest totem or the lowest thing on the totem pole, you know? And it was, but it was such a positive experience for me. It wasn't like it was like, oh, he was beating me up. It's like, oh wow. Like there's so much untapped potential there. Like there's so many things that I thought I was good at, but obviously I have a lot of work to do, you know, and things that I was exposed to that just like, 
I look back at now and I, I move in, in ways that are a lot different than I moved then. And I just think like some of that just comes from like him just saying like, well, that was a really crappy movement. So let's, uh, let's do something about that, you know? And, and just having that like realness about, you've got to look at your movement just like you would look at any other part of your body. You've got to look at it honestly. And that's kind of like takes us into like radical honesty, like that kind of mentality of like, okay. you've got to look at things realistically, like, okay, we're all about, you know, being able to un be able to tap into this like childlike state and all this kind of stuff. But it's like, if your movement is horrible, then it's probably not the best thing for you to it's just go out into the woods and just jump around on rocks and, you know, swing from trees. Like you were saying, um, you know, it's gotta be something where we have a good system and that's really what MoveNet does so well is does has a system to where you can start out having done nothing and you can really work your way into having an extremely strong approach to where if you want to play like a kid, you're not going to get, there's always still risk involved, but you're not going to be as likely to get injured. You're not going to be as likely to, you know, have uh, certain issues that might be like reoccurring issues in a lot of people within like the fitness realm and, and your performance is going to be better. Right. So when you're a kid, you, you kind of think about it as, okay, I want to jump two feet. And then once you can jump two feet, you want to jump three feet. And then once you can jump three feet, you want to jump four feet. And then what happens when you get to six feet? I can't jump six feet. So what do you, you know, like, and so you constantly are trying it, right? It's a new dragon. Exactly. And you keep trying it and keep trying it and keep trying it. And what happens? Sometimes you might get it, but a lot of times you get stuck, right? And then you're like, well, how do I get better? And then you say, maybe if I learn to jump better, I can move more, right? So like, then I can look at, okay, my movement actually correlates to my performance. So like the better I'm moving, the more I can actually do, but it takes going back to the drawing board. So it definitely takes this, this almost cyclical pattern of like reworking. So you get good at something and then you almost have to like go back to the, the starting board or the you know, the drawing board, drawing board. Thank you. As they say, and, yeah. uh, and reevaluate and, uh, kind of reprogram and re, you know, you have to look at yourself from an honest perspective and say like, am I doing things? Could they be manipulated better? Could I do things better in that way? And so I think that's a really positive way of looking at yourself. Honestly, that's not as, um, it's not as critical as how most people look at themselves. It's looking at yourself as like a continually, continually evolving rather than like, okay, I, I want to keep pushing this boundary, but nothing's happening. I'm just going to keep pushing it, keep pushing it. And hopefully something will happen, but it's like, you're not really getting anywhere. You're just staying in the same spot. So instead of just keep pushing that, let's go back, let's work our way. And then hopefully when we work our way back through, we get further. It's so interesting because when you look at people that play video games, and which is an interesting way to take it because we're talking about moving and developing your physical skill set so that your mental acumen and comfort can be higher. But the funny thing about video games, if you've ever played at all, and if you're listening, I hope you haven't played because that's really your that's that's what this thing I'm gonna if you have, I hope you have too, because you'll understand this. But if you haven't, one way to understand why people love video games is because you start weak, and in most cases, yeah. And you, it, it, the the hilarious irony of video games is that they're about self improvement. Yeah. They're about becoming a better version of yourself and becoming stronger, and that can manifest in shooting stuff or jumping cars off of ramps and stuff. I mean, how, whatever the game is, but at its core level, it's about development and it's about improvement. And it's interesting, you know, people might be hearing this and going, well, I don't know if I want to, let's, let's talk right now to that person who might be going, I mean, look, I want to be in better shape and my back hurts and, and I'm whatever age and I sit too much, but like swinging through trees, dude, do that. Like what? speak to that person that might have a sense of skepticism about what could be perceived as a, a counterculture thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, so I think it's multifold. I think one is that um, it's good to understand that MoveNet has an approach 
that we kind of call the natural developmental sequence, right? So we're starting out kind of as, as how humans develop. So uh, the first thing that a baby does is, is what? Baby has to oh, breathe well, first, right? <laughs> right so like, right. even more do, basic, yeah. yeah in, in order to do anything, it's got to yeah. breathe. So like we literally start from the ground up, quite literally. So we start with breathing and we start with just understanding what that feels like. Okay, have somebody push on your diaphragm. How does that feel like? You know, because a lot of uh, fitness is, is about the, like I said, the outside looking in and it doesn't really go from the inside looking out. And that's really, I think one of the big differences within a move net approach is that it is from the inside looking out. So we're dealing with things like breathing that you don't really see from the outside. You don't see much of what I, what's actually happening, but you feel it and you know, you're doing it right. Because if you stop breathing, you're going to die. So it's like, it's something that's there and you can be in control of it. So being aware of those things and being aware that everything has a, a starting point. So for some people learning how to breathe needs to be their starting point. It could be somebody that's like literally, you know, 400, 500 pounds they can't breathe well, so they need to learn how to breathe better, right? So that's a really good like way of kind of getting into understanding how your body works and functions because really without breath, we don't really have anything, you know? Like I, I want to speak to that too because I went through level one and I remember this was very early on and, and I, spoiler alert, I made it through. I became a level one certified, but the first, one of the first things we did was, as you say, work with the diaphragm and you have a partner who is pressing again. Now we're engaging the senses. They are literally putting their hand on your diaphragm. And what I remember, we practiced different forms of breathing. So super, super deep, super short, super intense. And what I remember feeling as, you know, my sinuses were clearing and I, you know, was that I had all this energy that I had not felt and it was from me breathing better. Yeah. And I have played football and I've grappled in jujitsu and I'm no great athlete, but I have done a bunch of stuff. And yet going back to literally step one in our human lives gave me all these like massive jumps on the board game board, you know, walk six, seven, skip seven spaces because I had gone back to that core level. And what I also felt was less fear. Interestingly enough, continue. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at breathing, it's something that everybody does. So it's not like something you can say, oh, I can't do that because <laughs> you have to do that. If you're not, if you're not doing that, you're not alive. Right. So looking at something like that, where every single person has the capacity and the ability to be able to do that. And then we quite literally work from the ground up as in, so you're starting out in, you know, it could be a crawling pattern. It could be rolling, even something as simple as going from your, from your back to your belly. Uh, something that's really taken for granted. There's a lot of um, fitness people now that are kind of coming around and doing this more in within like normal fitness training. But it's something that has been something that's not. It hasn't been much of a focus for a long time, and I think it's something that is has some huge benefits, especially with somebody who is not in a natural environment, you're not getting the same stimulus that you would be in a natural environment where it would require you to do some of these things. So because of that, we need to almost, be, you know, start doing them in order to get our bodies more adapted and more prepared for the potential of whatever we're going to be doing, whether that's, um, you know, going outside and swinging from trees or whether that's just like even working and doing a more, a more, uh, I don't like to use the word sheltered life, uh, a more yeah, normal day-to-day -day yeah, day office job or perhaps a whatever standing in a way that is more aligned with the way that you would stand if you weren't hunched over and, and creating that pattern yeah, in your and, body. And you even think about something as, uh, something as simple as, so we talk about rolling, but let's just talk about like laying on the ground right? It's really something that, I mean, when is the last time other than MoveNet that you've literally just laid on the ground and just chilled, like just, just laid down 
Because, you know, other than sleeping, Ca- camping, people, you know, they, they go camping. And part of it, I think, is for exactly what you're saying. Yeah. It's because you're actually engaging in that way. That's part and, of it. Uh, and so it's like, but if you don't have the sky to look up at, you know, maybe you don't do that ever. So right. it's like, and it's a great way to like allow your organs and your bones and everything to like get into a more naturally aligned state. And it's something that we could be doing a lot that we don't really utilize at all, you know? And it's, and um, there's, you know, lots of different forms of like meditation and stuff. And in the meditative practices, you're usually in a position that hopefully is comfortable for you. And so I know a lot of people who will either do breathing meditation or do like body scans um, where you're laying down while you're doing it. And I think it's an incredible way to tap into how you feel your body because a lot of people when they're in a standing position in shoes, they don't have a lot of their body that's connected to their environment, whether that's natural or unnatural. So because of that, there's not this sense of, there's not this sense of being able to listen to your environment or be able to figure out like how to maneuver in your environment or even within your own body. You know, if you're not able to get in contact with the ground, it's going to make it harder to balance. Um, We all have to balance. We all stand up. Unless for some reason you're bound to a wheelchair or something like that, you're typically standing a lot of the time. So you're balancing a lot of the time. So, and that's something that we work on in MoveNet as well is just balancing. You know, it could be something as simple as standing, could be as something as simple as taking one foot off the ground and standing on one foot. Uh, and something you have to do if you walk. So it, these are things that are things we're doing on a regular basis, whether that we're doing them right or not is really, that can be a very tricky question, you know? So it's looking at these things and then putting them into a format to where you can really learn how to do these things efficiently. And then with that format and you learn to do those things efficiently, now you create this world that you can access that you didn't have access to before. So now like by doing these things regularly, okay, um, maybe you started out with the ability, maybe you could only hang for five seconds. Like you could barely hold on to the bar. It just wasn't something that you were able to do. Couldn't do a pull up. It was really difficult to do that. But now with the, you know, with time and with working a lot of these patterns, you gotten to where you can actually like move on the bar. Like you not only are holding on to it, but now you're like, you're feeling more free. Um, the best explanation I've heard is when you think about running, right? There's a lot of people who do long distance runs and there's a lot of people who do it for different reasons. But when you think about running and you think about running, um, as a kid, you never thought about how far am I going to run? You thought about, I'm going to run as fast as I possibly can. And when my body gives out, that's what happens, you know, and, (laughs) and getting back in that mindset of like, we need to allow our bodies to be able to really work uh, the way that they're intended to. And that, you know, really pleases us because when we did that, when we were kids, we felt like we were flying, but now it's like, Oh, it's miserable. Why would you want to run? You know, it's this thing of like, there's this hatred there of running. It's because people think of running as running 40 miles or running, you know, even like five miles, you know, but it's like, okay, well, Let's just take 50 yards and I want you to just feel like you're flying. I want you to just run, you know, and the beach is a great place to do this because it's like a place that it's super forgiving. You know, if you fall down you're not going to hurt yourself and you can run into the water, uh, you know, people have opportunities everywhere, but it's just whether or not they take those opportunities. And then when you take that opportunity too, are you fully present in that moment? Are you actually feeling like you're flying? Because as a kid, you are. That's the only thing that's happening in that moment. You are in the sky, right? But now as we get get older, we kind of get taught like, oh, well, that's bad for your knees or this or that or, you know, all this kind of stuff that surrounds it, which most of it is just not true. And we get in this mindset of that. And so we just stop moving because we think, oh, well, the moving is dangerous. So that's going to hurt me. But it's like the movement is actually what helps you to be healthy and helps you to to stimulate that side of your brain where you're able to feel free. Um, You know, are you really free if you're not able to explore your environment? You know, it's kind of like if you took a even a human being, you take them or it's kind of a bad example. Okay, let's take like cows that are free range cows that are being raised for the slaughter. Right. That cow can go anywhere in that field 
right? But does that mean that cow's free? Right. No, right. you know, it's like, like a sandbox. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's a very limited viewpoint. Yeah, but rail, it is on rails. Yeah, uh, as as they say, like a train can go across large, vast spaces, but it can't get off the track. Absolutely, and that that's kind of where where I would say is sometimes the biggest limiting factor when it comes to wanting to do something is thinking that that thing is going to be bad for you, you know, and it's such a tough concept because it's like, we've just been told over and over and over again that we're, we're supposed to be good or we're supposed to do good and we're never supposed to do anything that's outside of the box. Right. So if we do something that seems unusual or not normal, that scene is like the taboo, right? So when we do things that people haven't been doing well, and a good example is running. There's a lot of people that run. There's not a lot of people that run good <laughs> or run well, you know? And so when you look at people who do run well, there is a sense of freedom in what they're doing um, because they're fully in the moment. They're embracing what they're doing. And that's usually the case in um, when you look at, you know, somebody who's just doing it. And obviously there are multiple reasons to run. Some people just do it psychologically. They want to feel a sense of, I don't know if it's, it's disconnection. They want to feel a sense of accomplishment. They want to feel there's all these external goals or things that they want to feel from it. And that may be just as valid, but I just think the, one of the big things when it comes to being able to enjoy movement is coming from the place of actually being present with the movement. Yeah, I, I completely, and I want to speak to the person because you may legitimately be listening and going, well, I, I literally though, physiologically, like my father, for example, played basketball until literally there's no cartilage left in, in one knee. It's fully replaced. But what I want to say, what you're saying, I, I love with fitness now, part of the motivation can be that you're doing something that is not fun, that is hard and that there's value in that. I do think there's oh, value because sometimes in life, you know, we, everybody says, look on the bright side, you know, there's, there's a, there's a silver lining inside of everything. Maybe there's not, maybe you just got to get through a tough period. But on the other hand, that can so swiftly leak into kind of a flagellation. Of yeah. And I'm not saying it's sunshine and rainbows, right? No, like every but, time you go out for a movement practice or you go take a yoga class or you do, you know, whatever you do as far as whether it's fitness or health or just moving in general, like playing a game of volleyball, like it's never, it, you, some of the best parts of it are when it's tough and you yeah. accomplish it, right? Like kind of what yeah. we were talking about earlier, where it's not necessarily the, it's not the easy things that are fun. It's like the, it's usually the harder things that are fun. Yeah. In a previous episode, Josh Gibson actually, well, it'll be previous when this is released. It actually is about to come out. This is a weird time continuum thing, but he talked about the notion of good, hard work, like, having a baby. He, he had, when we recorded, he had a six month old, uh, talked about marriage being a part of that good, challenging work. And what I want to say that I like about what you're saying is, is returning to when we, again, when this is the beginning of our conversation, so it's very full circle, but when movement brought a sense of fulfillment, like you said, not roses and rainbows. And I want to say to that person that might be 70 years old, one of the biggest challenges that we face as we get older, ironically, or maybe not ironically, is linked to this because falling, breaking your hip. My grandmother fell and broke her hip, and it was a huge event. It was a demobilizing thing in her life. And one of the things they say, if you are heading into your late 60s, 70s, 80s, whatever it is, that is one of the fears. And interestingly enough, this practice could help that person as much as perhaps it could help the person who's 23, 18, who is, has so many, uh, unused tires, let's just say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, it's interesting because the MoveNet world has been, I would say, I would say a lot of the people who are getting into it tend to be more like 30 to like uh, to, to even older, like 60 or 70 years old, a lot of the 20 year olds, I think, I don't, I don't know this for sure, but I think a lot of them don't get involved with it because 
they think, oh, well, I have the ability to do this. So why is this going to make me better? You know, and and I think some of that is ego. And I think some of that is just the ability to be able to kind of step outside the box a little bit and say, like, okay, what I know is not actually everything that's out there. (laughs) And, you know, and I think for people who are in their 60s and 70s, I think they actually have an advantage in these practices because Mm. they really understand their body more. They've been in their body for a lot longer and they've been able to see that ego doesn't get you everything, right? So I think a lot of times for a younger individual, let's say you're 16 or 18 or 20 years old or whatnot, it gets really easy to get in the mode or the box that ego is what gives you things, right? So like Uh, um, getting really good at pull-ups, you really think, okay, I'm really strong. I'm really good. And you can pump out more pull, like getting that, like almost, uh, it's kind of like getting pepped up for a fight or getting pepped up for whatever uh, big undertaking, even for a concert or something like that, where you're getting ready for something. And uh, I think for a lot of those individuals, you know, for people who are in their 60s or 70s or 80s or 90s or or whatnot, I think they actually have a huge advantage because although the movement capacity that it might be awesome, it might be, you know, some degeneration going on, there might be some different issues you got to work around. But at the end of the day, like we all need to be moving. And I think we could all agree that we all need to be moving. And the movement, how that looks and what that looks like is all going to be internal to external, right? So we need to be moving more for our body and more for the the sense of not what we get out of it superficially, but what we get out of it internally, you know, right. like we're getting out of something and we're able to like move our body in new ways. We're getting to explore things differently. It's kind of like, it's kind of like if, um, if a certain area of the world, like even like some of the deepest parts of the ocean, like parts that are, that haven't been discovered yet or explored yet, you know, let's say you go down there for the first time, it's going to be shocking. It doesn't matter what's there. It's going to be shocking because it's something you've never explored or or had before. And I think that goes for the 20 year old. And I think that goes for the 80 year old Um, because both people have a, a part of themselves that is unexplored. And I think MoveNet does a really, really good job of helping you explore that piece that's unexplored. So for, you know, for a 20 year old, it's going to be taking the ego out of the equation. It's going to be actually like, okay, the movement that you, it's going to be like my experience. Okay. That movement is terrible. (laughs) I need you to, you know, like it's going to be kind of like looking at it, you know, from a very radical honesty. Yeah. Humbling experience. And then for the people who are maybe a little older, it's going to be looking at it more from the standpoint of like, wow, I can actually do things that I never thought I would have the ability to do even when I was younger, you know, like, you know, I've seen people be able to move in ways that they're moving at, you know, in their fifties and sixties that would make their, you know, 30 year old self like ashamed, you know, like it's, it's amazing because it's movement capability does not have to be um, this degenerative process. Like we, sometimes think of it as where it's just kind of like, Oh, I'm getting older. So I can't do things as good. You know, I'm not as strong on pull-ups or I can't do this thing or whatever it is. But instead of looking at it that way, saying like, well, there's so much I can do, you know, like look at it the other direction and say like, man, I've never been able to move this way before. And like, and the potential of opening up those new pathways are going to open up a whole new world, both from a movement perspective, but even how your brain works. I mean, your brain, movement in your brain work very, very much. Like that's a lot of communication going on. And so the more you're moving, the more communication you're sending up to your brain and really like, I mean, I'm not a neuroscientist or anything like that, but the more you're able to really facilitate what you were, you know, you're able to facilitate more energy back and forth between yeah, the clear connections yeah. between the synapses. Exactly. More communication. Yeah. I I just want to speak to it. What a great thing that wherever you are on the path, you will get something that is kind of appropriate for where you are. And every one of these movements is, I I don't mean to turn this into an advertisement for anything, but this is about things. These are about conversations with people and the the paths that they have taken that have changed their lives. And paths are especially useful when they are a portal that anybody can walk in. You know, there are other movement practices where you would never say to a 60-year-old, 
come into here and learn how to, let's just say, deadlift 400 pounds. Maybe certain 60-year-olds. But think of one of the things that was so poignant to me, learning how to breathe correctly. You know, what an incredible skill that is so basic and yet can help so many areas of life if we go with that model that you're describing of internal, uh, working with the internal to affect the external. So just as we close out, only a few more questions. What are some of the, let's just go through some of the movements to give people an overview because you, one of the things we're going to talk about is that you are offering a workshop in East Tennessee, correct? correct? And we will give all the details, but let's just go through what are a full range of the movement activities. Yeah, so MoveNet is a encompassed um, program off of, you know, kind of a spectrum. So it's, you know, most of the movements are going to be revolving around jumping, running, uh, crawling. Well, I, I can even do it more in order. So breathing would be the first one. Crawling, rolling. Usually from there it gets into walking, um, and then you get into running, and then you get into jumping, and then you might even get into some climbing skills. So it doesn't really matter, like she, like he was saying, like Aaron was saying, it doesn't really matter where you're at. You're going to be able to take something away, and you're really going to be able to take away something that you can add into your daily practice, or it can become your daily practice. So it's a really good way um, because you're exploring movements that are things that whether you want to do them or not, it's movements we do on a regular basis. Right, right. And that's the scalability to your real life. If you learn how to get off the ground better, then you're going to be less afraid of the very real world concern of breaking your hip as you get older. Or if you just had a kid and you're 31 years old, you're going to be more able to pick that kid up in a way that is not going to cause damage to your body. So again, that's another thing that we're offering. So let's give folks the details on your option that you're offering, which is a huge accomplishment for you who have, you've basically been working under various mentors in the MoveNat community, helping coach. And by the way, you're awesome at that. You, you can break things down to very specific parts. And the light bulb came on for me. Nice. One of the reasons why I feel that I, I got through the experience is because of your excellent training. So you're 100% welcome, but what are the details of that? And then we will get to the finish. Yeah, so in Knoxville, Tennessee, um, at the at the gym that I'm currently a coach at, Iron Tribe Fitness, in, uh, it's actually in Turkey Creek. So if you're familiar with Knoxville at all, you'll know where Turkey Creek is. And uh, it's going to be a one-day, all-day workshop. It is a MoveNet official event, so you can register for it through MoveNet.com. So if you just look up workshops, um, you can find Knoxville, Tennessee. You can uh, put your name on the list. Um, so it's a six-hour event, so you can buy a ticket through MoveNet. And it'll be from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. We will have a, a probably a little lunch break in there, as well as some other smaller like snack breaks. And, um, you know, basically it's... It's really anybody that that wants to grow in in multiple ways is going to get something out of it. It's a really like like I've said, it's changed my life dramatically, and um, I've really it's a very special community. And part of the reason why I talk about MoveNet so much is because it's a community that I'm a person that didn't grow up with a super tight knit community around me. So when I found MoveNet, it was like immediately my family. It was uh, this was where I belong. This is where I wanted to be. So even outside of just the movement practice, the people you'll meet are some of the coolest people that I've ever met. And there's no way to fail at this. I want to be clear, not that we've talked about already the power and beauty of failure, but this is a workshop, so there will be no test at the end, correct? The correct. Yeah, this is just um, to help you understand and get to see and practice what MoveNet really is. Um, so, you know, if you can get on, you can watch the workout the world forgot. You'll be able to kind of get an idea of, um, you know, what Erwan LaCour has and does and puts out there into the world. Um, Shout out to Erwan LaCour, by the yeah, way. I've, I've sure. always wanted to say this. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, 
but it, it's also, you can look, uh, MoveNet has some awesome videos on YouTube. You can just kind of scroll through different videos. Uh, some of them are movement videos and some of them are interviewing different people about their own experience. So you can get a you can learn a lot from that, but you can also feel free to, uh, you know, to reach out to me as well. Yeah. Where, where can folks get in touch with you? Yeah. So you can follow me on Instagram. My handle is at barely human. So barely human is B A R E space, uh, or underscore L Y human. And then, um, you can also find me on Facebook name is Seth Budai again. And then I'm also, if you want to reach out to me specifically about anything like related to training, or you want to find out about how to train with me at iron tribe, feel free to, uh, shoot me an email. My email is S Budai B U D A I 88 at gmail.com. Excellent. And we will also have that information available in the link for this episode. So last question in a highly philosophical discussion that spans movement as well as life itself. You're now standing on this side of, of the equation. And this is a question I like to ask everybody that, that comes in here. And Tim Ferriss inspired me to ask this question, but what would you tell, we can either do, you know, yours is interesting because we've talked about so many different chapters. So I'm going to let you pick the time period. You can, I often ask, what advice would you give your 18 or 19 year old self? But you could go all the way to the kid that was playing in the woods. You pick. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I would try to reflect in myself is telling myself earlier that being okay with continually evolving is a good safe place to be um, that it's not unsafe to be there. Cause I, I think so many people feel like if they change the way they believe or they change the way that they think, or they, you know, they go from one practice to another practice. They just feel like they have to be fully engrossed in that. And, and while they might be, it still doesn't mean that you can't look at yourself by from that standpoint of continual evolution. So really that's what I would have wanted to teach myself earlier is just that idea that like being able to evolve and like having other people see me that way, that's a really safe place to be. It's yeah. not an unsafe place to be. It just feels uncomfortable the first time you get into it. But once you really embrace it, it is the best place to be in my opinion. I, again, ironically, because it being in a, turbulent, perhaps constantly changing space is perhaps the only safe place to be. Or as again, to quote, to quote Cliff Fonseca's episode, always keep moving. Life is movement. Life is, is a constant movement, both internally and externally. Thank you so much for doing this. Absolutely. Seth Budai. You can check his stuff out. You can train with him and we thank you, the listener for listening. So have a great day wherever you are. Thanks so much for listening. I think really one of my favorite aspects of the way that he breaks down MoveNat is how it can benefit anyone. Because a lot of what this podcast about, uh, what a lot of this podcast is about, rather, is how you can learn from any path and take those lessons and apply it to your own path. And I will say that if, if you've ever wanted to do a podcast, I would highly recommend it because it offers such an opportunity to make great friends. Seth Budai is someone that helped me as I journeyed to become a level one MoveNat certified trainer. And because of his excellent coaching, I now consider him a, a great friend. And so that's just a recommendation. I hope you have a great week wherever you are. I will be back next week with another conversation with an ordinary person who is living an epic life. So until then, take care.